Welcome to Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton, continuing our conference preview series here. As always, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. We have what is going to be probably the shortest show in this series here. I mean, is that is that a pretty safe bet, Colin? Yeah, I think it is a pretty safe bet. Um there's just not a lot to talk about in this conference. Yeah, CUSA is is who we're referring to here. Um, it, it's funny because you get one team who we love in Western Kentucky, and we'll probably mm-hmm. spend, I feel pretty good about saying we probably spend a third of this episode talking about Western Kentucky. But then you've got a bunch of teams in here we really don't care about, FIU, um jacksonville state and sam houston both come up this year i'm not sure we know 100 percent what we want about uh, what we want to be doing with those rosters we will we'll discuss them a little bit um and uh, you know middle tennessee's in here new mexico state maybe has one guy i mean these are a lot of offenses that kind of lean kind of lean and the fun thing about this uh conference actually for this year is that uh only seven teams are actually competing for the conference title <laughs> Because Sam Houston State <laughs> and Jacksonville State are not eligible uh, to win it. So, like, there's only nine teams. Only seven are actually able to win it. And really, probably only three are capable of it. So, it's it's a very, very, very weird conference overall. But we talk about all of the conferences here. We give them all love. So, we will uh, do our best here to make sure we don't forget anybody as we move through this. We do have uh, our, our normal interview here at the beginning of the episode, and we are going to hop into that here in a minute. But if you're listening to this episode here, it's Tuesday morning or later, the first week in August. And we have that means we have just released a new update here at Campus to Canton. We are now partnered with CFB Winning Edge. You may have Ooh. heard us yeah, talk about CFB Winning Edge on this show, on other shows, uh, cite his numbers, Nick. Uh, is is the guy that runs uh, everything over there? Does an excellent job. You may have listened to their podcast, uh, but they're everything that CFE Winning Edge does is now here with C two C and has cleverly been renamed the C two C Winning Edge. If you want some more information on that, go ahead, guys. Go over to the website, check out uh, some of the membership notes there. Uh, it is an additional membership that you can add on if you were already a member, and if you're not a member, you can just sign up for that. It's it's really handy for a lot of different things, a lot of the data, and we can't go fully into exactly everything that goes with this membership on this show. There will be other, you, as you've seen, other pieces to this announcement to kind of talk about yeah. what all is involved. But in terms of data, there's a ton of returning production and things. He power ranks based on like just absurd levels of data. All the schools uh, across the FBS, really uh, good for betting. Uh, but and for you know season long projections things like that but he also has full depth charts that are i guarantee you they're 50 times better than our lads our lads guys guys that are easily on the, the team easily. They're on the team anymore they're, they've graduated and gone um for every position like we're talking like the two deep on the offensive line this dude's a sicko i'm looking at jacksonville state's profile here and he's got like 20 linemen listed with all of their information like it's just it, it's a bonkers amount of information it really I, i've been personally subscribed to his patreon uh patreon which is now you know gone for probably two plus years like really just the, the best of this kind of information that you can find out there so uh, again if you want any more information on it go check out either the campus to camp website 
check out some of our socials for a breakdown on on everything that's involved with it. Uh, or feel free to DM us, you know, on Twitter at Campus Decanton. I'm at Debbie Dietz on Twitter. Colin is at C2C Decker. You can hit up at CFB Winning Edge. He's got there's a profile on there for him. Um, but yeah, all, all that information. Uh, we're we're really really excited for this. Quite honestly, I mean, this is again, I think industry leading type of information that you can't get anywhere else. So hit the, the podcast is coming over. Um, and there's going to be some other announcements in terms of in-season content as we get closer to the end of August um, that is going to be specific to uh, this membership. So all in all, definitely something to check out. And again, let us know if you need any more information on that. Colin, I mean, you, you're you familiar with his work too. So I know you're excited yeah. to uh, to make this official. We've been keeping this oh, a yeah. secret for like four months. So it's been It's been tough. Yeah. Yeah, very, very, very difficult. It's like when you buy a Christmas present for someone, and it's and you so know good, they're gonna love like, it. Yeah, you're gonna love this present, but you can't, you can't, you're like, uh-huh. so um, <laughs> that, that is what it's felt like the past couple months. Yeah, uh, and you don't want to be the person either that's like, I got you something, you're gonna love it, but I can't tell you. Yeah, well, I, can't I do tell that to you my right wife, now. but um, it's fun. I'm sorry, Kelsey. I'm so sorry you have to deal with. You that. don't, you don't do well. You probably don't get great gifts. Oh, I get great gifts. Yeah, I am a good gift giver. I am not as good of a gift giver as my brother. Uh, Evan is Evan's top shelf. Um, but uh, I, uh, I, I do, I do. Okay. okay. I, I, I get, right. I'm going to ask your wife about put that some, next time. I, I put some her. thought into it. Are you at that? Are you at the wedding next, this, next month? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask her at that wedding. If Go you're a gift giver, I'm, I'm, I'm writing this down. Uh, Go I'm for it. Yeah. A Unprompted. Reminder. I won't even, I won't even warn her that you're going to ask. I don't won't have you. anything rehearsed. I don't believe you at all that you're not going to tell her. <laughs> She's going to be re- it's going to be like reading off a prompt. Yes, Colin is an excellent gift giver and blink twice. <laughs> uh, we already know that she's basically captive. Um, she's married to you after all. All right. Um, <laughs> one other real quick note on this on the C2C winning edge uh, stuff is that you can package it with the NIL, NIL membership at C2C because they are independent. Of each other for anybody who's not really that familiar with what we do over at campusdecant.com the nil membership up to this point was our highest uh, uh level of membership 7.99 a month 79.99 per year get got you literally everything that we did at campus decant so we you know we do all three guides debbie uh, freshman supplemental and cff got you all of those included in the membership every single tool that we have an exclusive uh portion of our discord um a uh as different podcast that comes out that now that the season's getting closer is going to be back to weekly. We took some weeks off here over the summer because <laughs> um, we were working on this and other things and all of the NIL calls. You get a you get an hour long call with us every single year if you want to go over your roster. So a lot of stuff comes with that. It is independent of this, but we are bundling them for a little bit of savings. It's called the All Twenty Two Package. Very clever. I wonder who came up with that name. Um, because it's $22 um, and you can sign up for that. So uh, if you are looking to bundle them a little bit of savings, go ahead. Uh, you can do that 22. And then is it, it's a 220 bucks per year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two nineteen ninety nine, And like, it, it gives you all of those things plus everything with CFE winning edge. So all of yeah, the returning production, the depth everything. charts, the projections, the betting stuff, uh, potentially yeah. a weekly show, potentially more than one weekly show. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of, uh, stuff that comes with that as well. And anybody who's been a patron of his for the past five or six years, I believe uh, how long it's been around, you know, mm-hmm. all the stuff you get and it's pretty dang great. Yeah. All right. Enough celebrating. Can't get too, you know, drunk on the, on the, the, the excitement here. Cause we have a show to do. Speak for yourself. I'm always drunk. 
it's true. Every time we do the show, that's why his takes are so bad. Um, yeah. We do have we have an interview here today with Andrew Woodruff. We are uh, going to put some show notes or some notes in the sh- in the show notes about where to find all of his work because we talk about a couple of different uh, things that he has going on right now. Andrew's been around in the Debbie space for multiple years. He's definitely the most established person that we've talked to so far, but a new project that he has recently announced also as part of uh, Filmalytics, which is another group that does um, a bunch of Debbie and, and Dynasty type content. So uh, we talk all about that in here. So I'm just going to toss it right into this interview. Uh, so here is our sit down with Andrew Woodruff. All right, guys, I'm joined today by somebody who actually I, I've it, probably the most established person that we've talked to uh, during this series so far, but he's got a new project that he's working on. So we figured we'd bring him on uh, and have him talk a little bit about that. That is, of course, Andrew Woodruff. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Debbie Scouts. Uh, he also does some work with Filmalytics. Um, and let's let, let's start with that first, actually, Andrew, because you've been with Filmalytics for, uh, you guys popped up, what, a year, year and a half ago, somewhere around there? Yeah, roughly a year and a half ago. Okay. And you guys are a group. You guys have uh, a Patreon, I know for sure. Um, just describe a little bit about what the group that you guys have over there and what kind of work you guys are doing. I know it's in, you know, the Debbie College space, which is uh, always music to my ears, or at least uh, a, a portion of it is. Yeah. So uh, for me, I'm, I'm leading the college section of Filmalytics. Um, really, the whole point of this group was just kind of taking the two things that people always argue about on Twitter. Is it film versus analytics? It's like, let's kind of merge it together and let's create more of a full picture for all these players that we talk about. So we do have a free Discord. Uh, you can find it under the link at Filmalytics. And so basically over on the Discord, you know, we're talking Dynasty, we're talking Redraft. I love leading the college section of it. We got a little DFS and various betting things going on in there. So kind of offers a little bit of all that. Uh, I know you said the Patreon. We're actually just kind of stepping away from that right now. Oh, you are? Okay. And okay. That's my bad. This is, this is no, why I try to good. go through the list before the show, and there's always something yeah. that I miss. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I so, didn't even think of saying that, but uh, we are doing a Substack letter now. Okay. So for anybody who's interested in those things, you know, instead of going to a website, signing up to a Patreon, it's like, Hey, just go on either to our free Discord or just, I think it's actually the pinned tweet under at Filmalytics on Twitter. Put in your email and it gets sent directly to you. And that's going to offer you again the Dynasty, the redraft. You've got the college stuff. Uh, we, our latest two college stuff was uh, by Ben. He put out some for Cedric Baxter and Zachariah Branch. So it just goes straight to email or if you got the app for Substack. I didn't know that was an app until recently, but you can just follow along with, with us and our work there. Cool. Yeah, that Substack seem like they're they're the new thing. So yeah, that's really nice. You just hit subscribe and comes right to you. Oh yeah, that's definitely it's definitely shooting up there. And uh, I didn't forget uh, the Discord. Uh, Matt Nine, one of the founders of Analytics, uh, dude's got some amazing models in there. From any position you want, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. Uh, year one models breaking down three of positions. You know, quarterback's kind of hard to break those year ones down, but the other three, we got you on that part and just. It's got a lot of good stuff like that, including ranks. Uh, you can also find my pins, Debbie ranks in there as well under the Discord. All right, there you go. And you said that's a free Discord. Is that linked in the uh, Filmalytics uh, uh, Twitter page? Yes, it should be. If not, perfect. they can just go to my page, and I've got it linked in there as well. Perfect, perfect. Okay, we want to make sure we're pointing people 
in the right place here. Okay, so Filmalytics, you've been doing that for a little over a year now. Uh, but then I saw, uh, I mean, as of on Twitter, July 2023, you created this yeah. new account, Approaching the Pros, at Approaching Pros. Um, tell us a little about what we should expect out of that account um, and what kind of work you're, you know, that, that all is going to entail. Sure. So I know a lot of people, like, they've, they've had this debate. I've seen it a lot. Like, should we start including the word Debbie as much? And so I was like, you know, like, I, I enjoy college football. I don't want it to just be Debbie-focused. I mean, I've been following C2C since y'all got it started up. It's been fantastic. I've loved it. So I was like, let's talk more big picture. Let's talk college football in general. So let's talk about the kids that are approaching the pros generally. So the whole reason I put that together, is just kind of because, uh, again, being a teacher, a football coach, currently in grad school for the rest of this year, I like I wanted a product that I could focus on in my spare time and run it at my pace for college football. And I didn't want it to just focus on any one portion. So I plan on talking about some betting stuff on there. Uh, college players, Debbie, college fantasy, all that stuff and wrapped up in kind of one group project. And um, one I started last year, I hadn't really put anything out on the approaching pros page about it yet is this big Debbie ADP project. So I started this back last season or off season uh i was able to find debbie drafts from 2011 to 2022 um 667 drafts i put them all together into a spreadsheet got all the average adp ended up being about 27,000 draft picks in total over 1500 different players getting selected it's like i want to do some projects with that and kind of help people start seeing you know what are the opportunities and the risk associated with taking a fifth-year player at X ADP versus a freshman? It's like I want to start bridging that gap and let people understand with big historical knowledge how that affects them. And so I'll do that. I got a YouTube page called Approaching the Pros as well. I already put out a piece about Thomas Yasmin and Quinn Ewers. I know it's real controversial. Gave my two cents on that. And I'll do a couple others, kind of like the 2024 class, and I plan on doing a uh, a spicy take, which we'll get to that in a little bit about who I'm going to talk there. Perfect, perfect, cool. So yeah, go check out the YouTube page, uh, give him a follow on Twitter again at Approaching Pros um, to get some more information there. Um, all right, Andrew. Well, that's um, you know that that's good on your background. And how how long have you been doing Debbie stuff? I guess I should have asked that to to start this yeah, off. So. Uh, I jumped into fantasy football about 10 years ago, right when high school was getting done for me. And about five years ago, I guess toward the end of college, I heard something about Debbie football. So I started inter getting interested in that, jumping in any league I could, figure out what the heck's going on, how does this work. Um, and honestly, it's just it's become my passion. Like I enjoy college football now a lot more than I did the NFL side to start with. And so that's where my focus has been. But it wasn't until about two years ago, I really started like pushing myself to put out information. Uh, one of the first things I did for Debbie football wise was talk about does running backs weight matter coming out of high school? And of course I found probably like many people have since then, 200 plus pounds is your mark. You want to get somebody in the top 30, go to a big P5 program. That's going to give you that best hit rates because in Debbie, we know college stats don't help us out at all. So we want the best chance for an NFL player at that point. And then it was about last year, I kind of got inspired by C2C to start looking more into college fantasy itself. Great, great. Um, 
still have some Debbie leagues and some C2C leagues? You, you dabble in both? Yep. yep. Uh, I wanted to keep growing the brand for C2C a little bit, expand it, let new people try it out. So I actually just got into my third league, first time being a commissioner of a C2C league. Oh, uh, fun. Fun. I kept, I kept it easy for these this group. I slight listed. We'll stick with Power 5 conferences. We'll see if that Power 5 sticks based off the Pac-12. But uh, we'll stick with that right now. We'll do best ball on the college side. And like let's get them into it year one. I want them to enjoy it, and then we'll slowly start expanding out the goal. But Great. I've got about seven out of my 11 leagues are some type of college football player involved. You love to see it. You love to see oh, it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Andrew. Well, let's, uh, as you mentioned, we do have our three big questions. And just a refresher for everybody out there, we're going to ask you a player that you think helps their stock the most this year, a player that hurts their stock the most this year, and then a spicy take for 2023 and we've had some varying degree of spice we've had some you know some had a, a light sriracha drizzle and then we've had a flamethrower mm-hmm. so um we'll see which end of that spectrum you fall closer to let's start off with that player that's going to help themselves the most this year who do you got yeah so i'll i'll throw it back to my first video i did for approaching the pros uh thomas yasman tied in out of utah he'll be going into a six year he's about six foot five 248 what the website has matt um I've noticed on the website for C2C's ADP stuff, like Gasman's not being taken at all. There's no average ADP anywhere. So it's a guy who's going extremely late. Uh, I do see that you'll have him ranked at tight end 17. He's a little bit higher for myself, but again, a very late prospect. But the reason I'm interested in him, uh, he came in as a rugby player. Uh, Hawaii convinced him to come out and try out. Instead of going to the rugby team offers, he got, hey, let's try out for some college football, see if you're any good. He ran a 449 back when he was 18 years old at that size, 248 pounds, six foot five. That would be phenomenal if he makes it to the NFL at that level of testing wise. But um, he sets up perfectly in Utah. Utah is a good two tight end system scheme. Uh, the coaches admitted this offseason limited receiver depth. So Yasmin's probably going to be worked in a lot with uh, rank. Is it Keithy? Is that correct? Keithy, I think is how you say it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't listen to it enough to remember which way to say it, but I've, I've anyway. probably said it seven different ways over the past three or four <laughs> years. So, yeah. So brands coming back from an ACL tear. We know normally players year one off an ACL tear, it, it can be limited production. So there's a lot of opportunity for targets for Yasmin to take it up. And last year when he had it, it was about 21 targets, 12 catches, 300 yards, six touchdowns. I'm not expecting that much efficiency, but when you've got a guy who can run that fast. Uh, He was one of only two tight ends last year that broke 60-plus yard catches. I think uh, Nate Marquise was the one that pointed that out. So it's Yasmin and Brock Bowers, the only guys who are that explosive at the position after the catch. So it's great to see that. Um, Again, all the efficiencies there, the big question is just what does he do with more volume? And everything sets up well this year. Even if Keithy is the number one tight end, he's going to be the number two option, and he's going to be that big, red zone threats like he was last year like we just saw dalton kincaid just take advantage of a good one-year system for utah and turn it into first round draft capital i could very much see thomas yasman next year be a top five tight end for this next class and probably be a top 100 pick i don't think round one's gonna be realistic but you know round two round three maybe early fourth so, the, nice, the, the nice thing about some of those tight ends that are that athletic too is that they, they, you know, people get really into them. You could probably sell them if you want to at that point, you know, for right. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, I was I was excited about Richardson because a lot of people took advantage of something similar like that last year. And then there goes the combine. You know he's an athletic freak, but people just freak out about that. You could do the same thing with Yasmin if you start having concerns. He's probably going to be pretty good for the CFF production. And again, he's got a true path to the pros if he's continuing to grow like he is. I got him in the 30th round last week of a startup with some pretty heavy hitter um, <laughs> folks as my tight end three or four on the roster. I, I was very, mm-hmm. very happy with that. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I great upside. Yeah. 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 Good, good player there for sure. Um, okay. Well, Yasmin, a uh, guy that's going to help his stock the most this year. Uh, who's going to hurt their stock the most here in 2023? I'm going with a freshman here. I want to say, I believe it's a five star freshman receiver, Hakeem Williams. Might be four star. I can't remember exactly where. Um, I know he was receiver nine on the C2C supplemental guide, and just the ADPs put in about 100. There's just there's a lot of guys I prefer after him. Uh, Zachary Franklin, Malachi Corley, Samari Thrash. I don't know if that's is he still going that late. He was going super late according to the ADP. Thrash. Uh, he goes all over the place. I never know with him. Okay. I value him significantly <laughs> higher than that. But right, uh, I took him much higher than supplementals. But yeah. whatever. Uh, and again, some other guys, but the reason I'm I'm really worried about Hakeem Williams losing his stock is uh, we know year one really matters for receivers. Y'all, y'all have proved that. And like the coaches came out this offseason and said, you know, he's still, Hakeem is still trying to play like he's in high school. He's the big, strong dude trying to fight for everybody. That's not the case at Florida State. So like it, it hinders how much he can do. And he's even said, you know, he's got great size, but he's playing too slow. So he may have to start slimming down. So it's like, is Hakeem going to take that seriously, that conditioning, or is he still in that mindset of, I'm just, I'm the guy. And he hasn't quite adapted that college life yet. Um, it doesn't help also that, you know, they've got Johnny Wilson, who's going to be their big guy threat. They brought in Keon Coleman, Jaheen Bell, both athletic guys. We'll see how they fit into the system. So a feeling maybe Benson even is going to get some work in the catching game. And, just various guys, including possibly Destin Hill. He seems like he's finally in college. He, he is. Jacobs. He's on fan tracks. He's in school. Yeah, we're, we're very, very excited about that. Yeah. And, and what? Took two years for Destin Hill to finally get there. But it that's the thing. Like, there's so many people in front of Hakeem Williams to be going that high. I really feel like his draft stock might plummet next year. And you can get him cheaper if you still believe in the talents. Versus paying up now when you can get some guys, like I mentioned, that you know are going to produce for you right away. I mean, you're talking, what, 100 picks? That's going to be ninth round, 10th round. Like, I'm shooting CFF production at that point, personally. Same, same. Would you feel better about him if he'd gone somewhere else? Possibly, yeah. So, like, Jaden Greathouse, uh, I didn't mention him a second ago. He went to Notre Dame, so, like – Similar skill sets, you know, big, strong guy. We don't know how athletic they are after the catch because of that, but it's a wide open field. Like, he's probably going to be the guy, if not him and Merriweather. Like, Florida State just kind of makes that hard. Plus, we don't know who's after Travis this year. Like, that's that's a question mark. We don't got that answer yet. What if I told you that we have some advanced charting data for high school players that we don't share publicly and Hakeem Williams was the worst player we've ever charted by a significant amount? Of, <laughs> like I significant wouldn't be surprised. Stuff. I was watching the huddle film. I was like, this dude just kind of runs through people, but it's it's not very athletic looking. So yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think he had he's like a 97th percentile athlete in our database or something. But yeah, his his stuff like yards per or, um, uh, like yards of separate average yards of separation yards per route run like they're they're not very good. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it, it kind of looks like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we've got Yasmin going up. We've got Hakeem Williams going down. I love both of those. Um, now it's time to give us the spicy take for 2023. Okay. Go ahead. Unleash what you've got. Let's hear it. <laughs> Uh, people got the wrong 2025 receiver one in the class. Everybody I see, they've got either Burden or Stewart. I've seen a little Antonio Williams also thrown in there as well. It's none of them. It's Barry and Brown to me. Okay. So okay. I, I see I see a lot of Burden, Stewart, Antonio Williams go before Barry and Brown when it comes to drafts. Um, first off, let me just put the positive for Barry and Brown. One, we know he's a super athletic freak. Uh, apparently gotten even faster this offseason, according to the coaches. The system brings back the offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, who made Mondale Robinson into the second-round draft pick. He was and really showcased his skill set. Probably is going to do something very similar for Brown and Key. I think Key's also going to be worked in there. Um, my opinion, he gets a better quarterback, too. Leary's a lot more accurate than, you know, Levis ever was to me. Levis just had the arm, but not the accuracy. I think we talked um, early a couple of weeks ago on our show. Sorry to cut in you there. Just saying, I think no, if you want a quarterback to highlight your receiver talent, you don't have to necessarily get it. You know, who's a better NFL prospect. I get the arm strength and all those things. Right. But Leary like, definitely gonna is going to highlight those guys better than Will Levis could for sure. For sure. And I mean, that's, that's been the whole thing all spring. It's like, this dude is super accurate. Like he's putting the ball where it needs to be. And that's all we want. We want Brown to get the ball and then just do his thing after the catch. Yeah. Super explosive. He's talented moving through the field. I mean, we saw that with punt returning. I think he did some kick returning too and returned both of them for a touchdown, at least one each. So there's a lot of good things there. Um, if the offensive line is also better for Kentucky, like things are looking up. They already had a great defense. So like things are going to go back up for the offense. Um, issues. Let me go ahead and just lay it out for the other guys. Burden. A lot of people I think are still living on that recruit status. Like, we don't even know if Missouri's got a decent quarterback this year. I think they named a starter eventually um, last week or something, but, like, is he really going to be the guy? Um, plus, you know, is Burden ever going to be anything more than a checkdown kind of guy underneath Rondell Moore, close to the line of scrimmage talent? I mean, not saying he can't get drafted. I think he's still going to get drafted pretty well in the NFL, but there's those questions of can he do more than just – the few simple things doesn't look good when Dominic Lovett as a sophomore outproduces this five-star freshman talents and it hasn't affected his ADP. So I'm a little bit more cautious there. Uh, Evan Stewart, you know, you've got the whole coaching issues. Who's going to be the offensive coordinator call or play caller anyway. And, you know, again, are you really going to trust that coach to develop him while you've also got this depth? I think what Nia Smith returns, got Moose yep. Muhammad. Yep. I mean, th there's a lot of talent still there. Does Stewart get enough to actually, you know, showcase and prove, hey, I'm the number one guy. He's a great talent. I think he's a great route runner, but, you know, there's questions there. Plan then, lastly, Antonio Williams. I mean, again, Careful. good slot receiver. Careful. I'm, I'm good slot receiver. <laughs> I drafted him. It's a Debbie league, so, like, I trust the talents, but – he does get an offensive coordinator, Riley, who loves to spread the ball out. And so the question comes back to how much work does he get compared to some of these outside guys, Bo, Adam Randall, 
uh, Renning's still at tight end was going to be used. Um, Shipley, for sure, I'm, I know they're going to highlight him a little bit that way. So I'm not saying like any of those other three can be bad, but to me, the one who I think has the best chance of truly breaking out in big stats and you know gets the attention next offseason is going to be Barry and Brown. What do you think is a realistic expectation for him statistically here in his okay. sophomore year? What what kind of range are you are you thinking in your head? So I know he got 600 yards last year. He didn't really get worked in the first couple of weeks. I mean, I could easily see him being one of the top yardage receivers. So over a thousand, and especially one of the top, probably top two, along with Antonio Wilkes in the SEC. So I'd probably say a thousand to 1200 range. But I said that upper end, I'm not quite sure because again, we'll see how Leary looks. Back half of the Kentucky schedule sucks. If you haven't checked it out, it's yeah. uh, they might start four and one or five and zero, oh, but then uh, I don't know how many games they're winning after that. So if he if he if he ended the season with like 850 and five, would you still be happy with that? Depends on a couple factors, but I I probably be a little under. Well, undersatisfied with that, so a little disappointed. But you know, if it's nine hundred plus, I think I'd be okay with that. Okay, okay, awesome. So Barry and Brown, um, overall, you like so is he the third wide receiver overall in your Debbie rankings then, behind Harrison Ibuka, or, or how did I, how do you have that class ahead of so, him checking out right now? In my Debbie ranks, uh, if anyone goes to Discord and checks it out, I would have Marvin Harrison in the top receiver, Ibuka right behind him at receiver two. Um, Malik Neighbors, I would have receiver three, and then mm-hmm. Barry and Brown would be receiver four in the first one of the 2025 finals. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, at, at, the nice thing about him is that minimum NFL team is going to value him for his special teams ability at minimum. At minimum. So you got to feel pretty good about him going uh, oh, yeah. fairly early uh, there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, awesome. we talked about the combine. You know, he's going to run fast. People are going to get excited about that number. They're going to double count it somewhere. So. Buy in now. You can always sell later if you got that concern. I think he's around eighty, yeah, around three ADP right now in startups, roughly uh, early mid like third that. round. So that that's pretty great value. You know, you start off with Caleb Williams, snakes back around. You know, you can grab him and, and another guy, and you're, you're feeling pretty good there about uh, about the start of your draft uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Follow up question: How do you feel about Dane Key while we're talking Kentucky here? Hey, I like it. Uh you know, he's, he's, he's kind of that bigger model kind of guy like Hakeem Williams, but he, he moves a lot better. So I think he's an undervalued receiver, too, for a team. But I think my ADP, my ranks, is going to have him closer to receiver like 20, which is still okay. a lot better than a lot of people. I think I have him for Debbie like 20, 20 and 25 to 30 range. Yeah, right, right in yeah. there. So a little, a little behind you. Yeah, it'll be a good outside boundary receiver at the next level if he keeps on the path he is. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he can definitely be a guy that, that starts in the NFL. Awesome. All right, well, Andrew, thanks again for coming on with us again. Um, so you can go follow everything that Andrew is doing at Approaching Pros on Twitter, uh, at Filmalytics underscore, and then obviously at underscore Debbie Scout as well. Those are all the things you need to go to. You can find further information from there on all of those things. Andrew, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time, uh, hopping on here with us, and thanks for helping grow the Debbie space. We, we we really appreciate all of you guys that are popping up all these new companies. I mean, there's there's a thousand Dev- Dynasty websites. Let's get some more Debbie stuff. So, yeah, thank you guys for uh, for everything you're doing right now.
Of course. we got to keep growing the college football side. We do. We do. Exactly. All right. Take care, Andrew. Have a good one. You too. All righty. Andrew said that he couldn't get spicy. But we got, <laughs> we got him spicy. We got him spicy there. That Barry and Brown take. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's that it's class for, doesn't really have a solid locked-in wide receiver one, so it's it's spicy, the, and, but plausible. And, and for anybody that remembers, a couple episodes ago, like the one I think directly before we started the conference previews, we talked about the players that we have most uh, and least mm-hmm. rostered, and like guys that we've dropped a little bit. And I said, actually, relative to his cost, Barry and Brown was a guy that I had dropped a handful of spots this offseason. Um, so, but I also, if you remember listening to that episode, said like. This is a little more gut than like intuitive, like looking yeah. at, you know, really anything else. So um, fun to hear him kind of give some reasoning as to why he thinks Barry and Brown uh, is actually a buy at this point. So, um, yeah. So, so thank you, Andrew, for hopping on here. And again, go check out uh, him on Twitter. Go check out Approaching the Pros and go check out uh, uh, Filmolytics uh, as well for more content there. All right. We, we've delayed long enough. We have to talk about CUSA, and I, I literally, we record this at night. I'm going to go take a shower after this episode, quite frankly. It's just kind of gross. It's, it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to come to bed, and my wife is going to be like, what? Ew, you like smell of something odd, and I can't quite tell what it is. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's CUSA. Um, again, alphabetical order is the order we're doing these in, and to celebrate our new partnership with CFE Winning Edge, we're going to talk about some of the power ranking type stuff just to give you an idea of how bad or good these teams should probably be this year because I do think some of that uh, is interesting as well. So let's start with Florida International, who is first alphabetically here. Um, they have the lowest power ranking in the conference. So out of nine teams, they are ninth. And they are bottom 10 in all of college football this year. I believe he has them 128th out of, what, 133, 135. I forget how many teams are in the FBS with those two new ones but regardless they're not a good team and we don't have any players listed here colin do you disagree with me i mean i i kind of put these lists together and then colin usually goes through and, and changes or adds or subtracts after the fact and did i did i miss somebody here colin did i screw up no not really i mean they they had tyrese chambers who was a guy that you know we we kind of liked a little bit there yeah. we thought there was maybe some potential there he's at uh maryland now I believe. he is yeah yeah um they lose the tight end rivaldo fairweather who was another guy that we were like uh, maybe kind of interested in he's now at auburn and then the running back lexington joseph i think he's in the nfl now he was actually like their, like he had an average like 12 points per game last year which was like tops of, from their teams um so if that tells you how bad they were um no i don't really think there's anybody that you're missing they do bring in a transfer running back from uh, South Dakota, Shamari Lawrence. If you wanted, if you were dying to <laughs> own a Florida International Panther, said this. <laughs> if you if, if you are a FIU alum and you're like, I need somebody from their team, sure, that's the guy, I guess. But I I don't feel good about anybody on this team. Yeah, I don't either. I, I uh, feel pretty confident without even going through all of my rosters, even some really gross like 2018 leagues yeah. that I don't have a single FIU player and that uh, I don't anticipate that changing uh, yeah, which time this season. It's kind of weird because they're eighth in neutral game script pass rate, 26th in pace. So like you think that they would have a lot of volume there, but they don't. Well, they're, I, just, they're not good. So that probably gives you... Um, 
some potential upside to maybe monitor here. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe, maybe you can find, you know, um, a, a, a receiver or, or really their QB by the end of the year uh, that you want to end up adding on a waiver uh, a period, depending on how many waivers you get and how desperate you are. Um, probably, probably good questions to ask yourself there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, nobody, nobody here. Yeah. All right. Jacksonville state next up here. I mean, we're telling you guys, this is gross. Um, C2C winning edge actually has them as the third, third in the conference power rankings here. So they're JSU is actually not a bad team. Quick quiz calling. Where's Jacksonville state located? Um, so I would assume Florida because Jacksonville. And sadly you are wrong. It's in what uh, Alabama? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so Jacks, Jackson State is, aren't they? I'm 99 both sure of them. Jacksonville State's in Alabama. Yeah. Oh man, I uh, yeah. you 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 fact check me while I while I dish here a little bit. So third power ranking in the conference, yeah, Jacksonville, Alabama, ninety first nationally. So this is um, not an amazing team, and that kind of tells you again that third in the conference and then ninety first nationally. So that kind of tells you where this conference sits uh, amongst the others here. Um, quarterback is probably the only position that we're really interested in here. We're talking Zion Webb for now, <laughs> who's supposed to be the starter, a dual threat guy. This is, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, a Rich Rodriguez coach team. Yeah. So he has had some success with some dual threat guys in the past. His past couple stops have not been particularly good from a quarterback uh, production standpoint. I believe his last... Uh, uh, school was uh, ULM at the FBS yeah. level. He had Chandler Morris as his quarterback, and he threw for like 1,300 yards in 12 games. So eh, I don't really know if this is like a must-have in a deeper league, though I do think Webb is mildly intriguing. Yeah, um, Zion Webb, seventh-year player who had to get a waiver <laughs> yeah. uh, to get cleared, and he did. He got that waiver, so he is going to play this year. You talked about Rich Rod, Rich Rodriguez's past, and I do just want to highlight a couple of like high level CFF quarterbacks that he has had um, mm -hmm. dual threat guys, Pat white at West Virginia, Denard Robinson at Michigan, Khalil Tate at Arizona. There are a couple of other no name guys at Arizona that had like six and 900 yards rushing. So his quarterbacks do run the ball a lot. Um, they, you know, and, and he's had a couple of relevant running backs as well. Steve Slayton, was one of them. Uh, there was somebody at Arizona whose name's escaping me. So running backs can be relevant in his offense at times, uh, but it's really the quarterback that you want, and it's really Zion Webb. And then there's also the um, – she was a true freshman last year. I'm pretty sure he redshirted mm -hmm. this. Um, so he's a redshirt freshman. Tayshawn Smoot seems like he's going to be like the next guy up there. Also very mobile smaller guy but also very mobile so deep deep leagues you're looking for somebody maybe for next year i don't hate a stash of Tayshawn smoot either uh yeah yeah uh, i feel similarly and again these are not priority guys these are probably in a normal 12 team 45 man roster league start two quarterbacks you're probably not necessarily looking to roster these guys but just have them on your radar uh pay attention yeah. uh, fun fact about pat white i was actually at the game that he died 
figuratively. Oh. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> against the Steelers, um, where... Where he got crushed when he was yes, on the sideline. Uh, and for the record, uh, it was a clean hit and he was inbound. So um, <laughs> just want to so- throw that out there. Um, the whole stadium. And the other thing, people were very upset because you couldn't actually tell exactly because they wouldn't show it up on the big screen when i was there but like yeah his soul got knocked into another dimension (laughs) it was uh probably the biggest hit i've ever seen uh live in my life that was a a a great great playoff game uh there all right liberty 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 c2c winning edge has them as the second power ranked team here in the conference 79th nationally liberty has been up and down the past couple years um obviously malik willis was their quarterback he was not there last year and they they struggled a little bit without him but jamie chadwell comes over from uh coastal carolina so uh slightly new system in here but i think we can expect to see uh him attempt to build something similar to what he had over at coastal carolina and that means that we should probably at least be taking stock of who the quarterbacks are and who the running backs are because he's gotten some pretty good uh, production out of both of those positions. I talked in the first interview episode of this series, the two of us interviewed each other, mm-hmm. and I said Kadon Salter was a guy that I thought could gain uh, quite a bit of value this year. C2C Winning Edge actually has him projected as the starter for this year, but it does seem like the books are a little more uh, are a little higher on Jonathan Bennett right now. So I think um, it's a wait and see. I, I don't know that Bennett is rosterable at the moment because I don't think he's very no. good. And I do think if Salter is as solid as I think he is, I think even if he doesn't start game one, I think he can get this job by the end of the year. We'll see. I do think Chadwell has some leeway in terms of experimentation this year. He hasn't really gotten all of his guys in at this point. So I think he can kind of afford to play around this year, see you know what, what which of his quarterbacks uh, can run the system a little bit better. What's he going to do with the, in the running backs at the back in the backfield there. And then kind of the receiver rotation as well. I think, Bottom line, there's going to be kind of a lot of experimentation and, and uh, rotation here until they find the, the secret sauce. Yeah, it's. I would still lean Salter, though. I think Salter is still a guy who is worth rostering for that upside. And also because I'm with you, I don't think Jonathan Bennett is that good, even if he does get named the starter. But I could see Caden Salter in that like spread option offense that they run, like being a Grayson McCall light. And Grayson McCall was very good. And I think we talked about that too when we talked about your your prediction for Salter. Um, this Jamie Chadwell's offenses are just hyper efficient. Last year, 17th in EPA per play, 11th in success rate, uh, despite being 118th in pace and 73rd in neutral game script pass rate. So very slower paced offense, run heavy, but they're very efficient. So, you know, Salter doesn't necessarily need a ton of volume to put up good numbers there. So Salters would be the guy that I would want out of this room. And he's honestly the guy on the team that I want the most. For sure. And I don't even know, like, I think I have him in a couple spots and I think they are Ross like leagues that are deeper than your typical 12 team, 45 man roster. So I'm not even necessarily hyped on him. I do think he's a guy that I'm definitely watch listing. And if I get a bunch of waivers throughout the year, I'm actually more interested in having him now because if he doesn't ever get that job, I can cut him uh, and, and pick somebody else up in his stead uh, or really just keep an eye on him and see if he gets that job. Um, the running backs, I think it's probably going to be Quentin Cooley to start the season. He's a, a third or fourth year guy. 
uh, been around a little while. I don't know that he's necessarily more talented than uh, Von Blue, who was getting a bunch of hype out of spring. He's a true freshman that came in here a little bit smaller. He's, he's under 200 pounds. Um, so uh, moral of the story here is I actually don't think I'm interested in Cooley. I think I would be more interested in Blue. But I see a lot of people drafting Blue now, and I'm not 100% sure that he needs to be rostered today. I mean, you could do worse on stashes, but he's definitely not my favorite because we really don't know what this roster is going to look like. And I could see... I mean, they said good things about him. He, this coaching staff did pick him out, but I could see them bringing in a couple other guys to compete with him. They could ultimately be better. Yeah, I would kind of tend to agree with that as well. It was really nice to see he, the true freshman, had a big spring. Uh, I don't believe Quentin Cooley was on campus yet at that point. Um, but Vaughn Blue looks good in the spring. I get him as a stash. I agree. You could do a lot worse. He's the the type of guy that we kind of talked about last week where I'm not drafting him in supplementals. Um, I would consider him in like the very end in a stash, uh, like at the very end of a startup. Um, if you're like, you know, if it looks like your running back room is kind of older and they're going to, you know, a lot of them are going to go off to the NFL. You need a guy for next year. You could do worse than Vaughn blue. My, my problem, and I do think this is actually the kind of system where I want to target stashes, and I think this is a larger strategic question that we've kind of covered on the show, but I don't know that I've ever kind of you know specifically outlined. But if I'm stashing running backs, because running backs tend to be kind of tend to be a little more dime a dozen, I think a little yeah. easier to yeah. find some guys that, that break out during a season that no one was really expecting, at least for me personally, it seems to, to fall that way. Uh, I'm probably stashing like guys at like Alabama or like LSU yeah. or Notre Dame. Like I'm not tending to stash a running back from coastal Carolina or, um, you know, Vanderbilt or Hawaii or like some of these smaller schools that like, they probably don't have any Debbie upside whatsoever. And you're, so you're kind of banking on them maybe getting a job next year at a small school that if the coach is actually good, could get poached and go somewhere else and the system completely changes. Like these are not typically the kind of running backs in a normal league that I am yeah. really trying to stash. Cause I get a lot of questions, you know, should I stash a guy like Darius Taylor at Minnesota or a guy like, um, I'm trying to think of some other guys that I get, I get asked about here uh, somewhat regularly, but my, my answer is usually no, I don't think you need to yeah. roster them today. I think this is one where you keep your eyes on them. If you, Really what I do in season last year and this year, it's going to be a much bigger article and it's going to be a paywalled for, uh, I believe, I believe our NIL members only. We haven't fleshed completely the idea out yet is going to be like the 10 or 10 or so big takeaways from the week. And every single week there's going to be like which freshmen are getting snaps, true freshmen. And so basically what you'll be doing is you'll be paying attention. Like, is this guy starting to get snaps? And really, if that's happening, then maybe I'm interested in, in grabbing them. But otherwise, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I would tend to agree with that. Um, last note that I'll, I'll say on Liberty, uh, our intern at work this year was um, she's going to be a senior at Liberty. And she was just saying about how all she like knows fresh friends with some of the guys in the football team. And she said that um, everybody really loves Jamie Chadwell, that he's like a good dude. Um, just a, uh, a, a hard, a hardworking guy and, and really instills like character in in his guys and they say that he really likes that so it seems like jamie chadwell is a pretty good fit there 
Um, which is cool because I really don't respect Liberty the Institution. All right, on to Louisiana <laughs> Tech. Um, checking out the C2C winning edge numbers here. Power rank within the conference, sixth. So, uh, you know, bottom bottom of that middle tier. Uh, nationally, 113th. So, you know, not not a team that that's uh, crushing it by any stretch of the imagination. But they are top 60 in pace of play metrics from last year top 50 in, in a couple as well top 50 in pace per play and top 60 in terms of like the actual number of plays run mm -hmm. so if you can see those numbers inch up a tiny bit i think we could actually have some interesting offensive pieces here uh specifically we'll start with quarterback hank bachmeyer got some pretty good reviews in the spring there you might obviously remember the name he was a qb at boise state for a couple of years there lost out on that job to tail and green last year and uh ha has since transferred Boise State Mountain West may be a little too tough a competition for him. He's a very kind of a vanilla guy. But I do think a step down here to the CUSA, we've been, I mean, the quality of team as we're talking about here, as we're showing, is not particularly great. I think he could do well here. And then the coaching staff seems to be pretty happy with him. So I do think Bachmeyer, uh, we just did a, that in that 40, that uh, 12 team three star three QB league. I took yeah. Bachmeyer with my last pick in the draft. Figured, why not? Mm -hmm. I think he could be interesting this year. Uh, and this whole offense could be interesting again if pace of play steps up just a little bit and the weapons performance we think they could potentially uh, do. Yeah. I mean, they were also Louisiana tech was also 14th in neutral games pass rate. So they do throw the ball a lot. I mean, they, the head coach, Sonny Cumbie um, has a, a history from the air raid system. He learned under Mike Leach uh, and he went to TCU and actually had like two pretty good offenses there at TCU. Uh, and then he was the interim head coach at Texas tech there after they ended up firing, um, Matt Wells. Yep. So he's got some air raid experience. And I do think that bringing in Hank Bachmeyer is better for the rest of this offense. I don't really know how interested I am in Hank Bachmeyer in a start three QB league. Sure. Uh, I think there's some potential there, but I think Bachmeyer and you said he's very vanilla and I agree he is, but he was, he was decent at, at Boise state. He just couldn't elevate that team kind of like talent green can do. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think he's, this is a good level for him. And I think he's going to really help to keep the passing game moving and keep those wide receivers that we saw last year that we liked. Um, I, I think he's going to help to keep them fantasy relevant. So I like Bachmeyer here. The really cool thing about college football is that a lot of these kind of offenses that have started inspiring NFL offenses, but probably couldn't work their wholesale if you try to take the whole offensive system up there, can really turn what is a painfully average quarterback into somebody who's extremely productive, um, just based on like simplifying reads, getting these guys schemed into space. So these are big windows to throw to. You just have to really have the timing down and, and, and you can do a lot of fun things. If you look at some of the other quarterbacks, like we're really excited for Davis Brin this year as a, a fantasy option over <laughs> at Georgia Southern. I wouldn't argue that he's like a, a really good quarterback by any stretch. He's not God awful, but he's like the kind of guy that you put in that kind of system and you can really elevate him. The thing about some of the guys that Western Kentucky's had over the past couple of years, like I don't know if any of these guys are world beaters, but they're certainly putting up stats like that so yeah put Bachmeyer uh or think about you know like JT Daniels and Keon Slovis at USC like both were yeah. very very productive in a system that really favors the QB so um I think you could do a lot worse than Bachmeyer is kind of a um uh like the last starter on your team you know if you want like seven or eight quarterbacks that are actually going to play this year having him as their seventh or eighth guy because he could surprise a little bit uh, and end up being maybe a, a flex guy depending on who they're playing again 
in conference schedule, not particularly strong. Running back, Marquise Crosby is going to be the guy here this year, and he's really not like a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, over 200 pounds, like he's got decent size. He's got a couple years of eligibility left. So if you like, if you like investing in those guys a little more, I'm I I don't have any of him, but I do think there's a case to be made for him to be rostered just based on if you think again this offense is a is is relatively prolific. The air raid does not necessarily feature the running back. But I do think that he can probably catch some passes there and just more scoring opportunities can be good for fantasy purposes for some of these running backs who aren't really special, kind of like the quarterbacks, quite frankly. Yeah, I think the thing with Marquise Crosby is that has me so intrigued is the way he finished the season last year. Um, He finished with 24.4, 12.3, 4.7, 31.5, and 21 fantasy points. That's Um, great. yeah, and he also had 31.7 in week two. Um, but it's it was mostly the way he finished there. And in all of those games that I mentioned, and all of those, um, st- all five total games that I mentioned were the games that he went over 15 carries. So if he can get 15 carries, um, I, I like that. I, I think he could be pretty solid for you. Like he's nobody you're going to be excited to start, but he could have some nice weeks. And if they get him more involved in the passing game as well, um, I mean, really, he only had had um, nine catches last year. Yeah, nine catches. I was just doing some quick math. He had nine catches last year. So if they can get him more involved, um, I think he could be a a solid guy that you you know want to have as a third, fourth running back off of your bench. Um, Especially late in the season, some of these you know you have an SEC running back. They might be playing Bama that week. Or LSU that week, or right. you have a Big Ten running back. They might be playing Michigan that week, or you know Illinois that week, or or one of these te- these teams that are kind of tough to run against. And that's when you kind of like some having some of these really low end G five guys because they probably have. I mean, look at who he played those last five games last year. And I don't have this schedule pulled up in front of me this year, but it'll be something very similar. FIU, Middle Tennessee State, UTSA, who is gone. They don't play anymore. Charlotte, they don't play them anymore. But you know, equally bad team. And then uh, UAB. <laughs> So, I mean, they, they not, not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination here uh, at the bottom of the roster. Yeah. Um, receiver. Oh, go ahead. Oh, so I was just say this year they get, um, they're, they're the last four games. So they have a buy in week eight, which kind of sucks late bye week, but then they get New Mexico state, Liberty, Sam Houston, Jacksonville state. We have no idea Sam Houston, Jacksonville state, like what they're actually going to be defensively Liberty, New Mexico state, probably not going to be great defenses. So soft playoff schedule. Um, last year, Smoke Harris led this team in receiving. He's now gone. He's transferred out. He's at Old Old Miss, right? Or sorry, Trey Harris is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the other Harris. Yeah, they uh, and they were so they tied in receptions, but Trey was the more explosive guy. Uh, sixty-five receptions for each of those guys. Trey had nine hundred thirty-five yards and ten touchdowns, and he's now gone. So you got Smoke Harris, who went sixty-five, six thirty-five, and five last year. And then they expect to see some growth from Cyrus Allen, who I think can probably step into that Trey Harris role mm-hmm. from last year. He was also explosive, 22 catches for 500 yards. So he averaged 22.7 yards per reception and four touchdowns. So uh, a really, really interesting guy there. You'll see some debate about who you would rather have. I think it depends on if you think Allen with more volume can probably not still be a 22 23 yards per reception but you know 14 15 16 mm-hmm. um or if you know maybe 
smokes a little more, uh, it will probably see a little, few more targets and maybe be more consistent on a week to week basis. I think that's kind of the debate there. I think both are intriguing. I think both are probably rosterable as very back end roster guys. Uh, again, you know, if we think Bachmeyer is going to be good and the system will be good, then I think we should like both of them uh, potentially for fantasy this year. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, Smoke Harris last year was the wide receiver 65. And I expect that to improve this year, especially given that Trey Harris is gone. Um, like you said, I think the biggest thing with Smoke Harris this year is he's probably going to get some more targets. He's probably going to stabilize and just be more consistent on a week to week basis. Um, you know, he's so probably not anybody that I want to start in a in a standard league. But if I have to spot start him here and there, like I don't feel awful about it. Uh, Cyrus Allen's the one that's like more intriguing to me, though. Mm hmm. He ended the season last year with three games, uh, three out of the last five games where he had eight or more targets. So his role improved as the year went on. And like you said, he's going to step into that Trey Harris role, presumably, um, and where Trey Harris was wide receiver 27 last year, 18.7 fantasy points per game. That is startable. So I think Smoke Harris is the safer play, but Cyrus Allen is the ceiling play. And honestly, if I'm going to take a shot on a guy on a Louisiana Tech roster i probably want the ceiling play um anybody else on this roster here calling that that that's uh the extent of the list that i've got here yeah that's all i have um craig squirrel williams transferred from no Baylor. he's not there anymore i was okay. i was gonna say he's transferred there but then never actually was on the roster he quit football and i believe he's coaching high school now he is yeah in some sort of capacity so yeah i don't know so, we're we're 50-50 on our squirrel, uh, our squirrels for this offseason. So yeah, but we the squirrel that we thought was gonna be good looks like he's gonna be good. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. There's there's rumors there too, and we'll cover those when we get to the SEC uh about him maybe not being the guy like we we had all hoped. Uh Middle Tennessee State, looking at these C2C winning edge numbers, power ranking in the COSA. They are fifth nationally, 108. Uh, I have one player here. It's Frank Peasant, their running back. <laughs> and quite frankly, there's just a legitimate chance that this team is so bad that they really can't make anybody productive for fantasy purposes. I think Peasant, he's a starting running back. Like that, there there is value in that. But I, I do think that Middle Tennessee is going to be pretty stinky. I mean, last year they did they went eight and five. Yeah, I mean, they made they a bowl okay. game, but they're they they're not returning a ton of production, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They're 118th in the country and returning production at about just over 40% of their snaps from last year. So, I mean, overall, kind of yucky, and they weren't super pro productive last year as an offense anyway. So, uh, moral of the story, I think I'm mostly avoiding uh, this team, but I do think Peasant is worth a watch list. And then if you're just really desperate for a running back in a deeper league or, or late in a draft and everyone's been running back happy, sure, why not? Uh, I'll push back a little bit there. Okay. I think Frank Peasant is definitely rosterable. Okay. Um, he is. He finished last year as the RB49. He had four games over 20 fantasy points, one game over 30, and one game over 40. Um, so he's he's decent. Is, um, so just to clarify, is the game over 40 also the game over 30? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure you separate like, games. It wasn't no, no, like no, no, one. No. You know, one game was over 20, 30, and forty, and so really no, 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 no. Okay, okay. No, completely separate. So he had five, six games total over, uh, over twenty fantasy points. He just okay. also had some duds mixed in there. Gotcha. Um, 
but they lose. Do you have the the info in terms of who the duds were against? Because you may have persuaded me if it's easy to look at the schedule and say, Mm -hmm. here's, you know, you can circle these games and he'll probably be productive. And then them, there actually is quite a bit of value in that. And then you know when to bench him uh, in in the other ones because he's obviously not going to do anything. Yeah, um, I'll pull that up here. But uh, my my other point with Frank Peasant is that they lose Chase Cunningham at quarterback. They lose a lot of production. Like you said, they're, what, 118th. This is one guy that they have coming back. So this is one piece that you know they are going to be able to rely on. So I think he's going to get more work. Um, And the games that he did not – so the games where he – performed poorly james madison utsa uab western kentucky uh san diego state wow so those probably were the toughest games on their schedule overall yeah games that he did well florida atlantic unc uh, charlotte that's uncc um tennessee state colorado state tennessee state i don't even know what school that is yeah, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> it's got to be an FCS school. I've, I'm not familiar. <laughs> yeah, they don't have uh, a link on uh, on a sports reference. I just tried to look them up. So, uh, yeah, they're at least FCS there. That's fun. Yeah, um, and actually, I did um, I did double count the twenty point games. So there's four games total over twenty fantasy okay. points, but one one of those games was over thirty, and one of those was over forty. I think so the I counterpoint then, as I'm now looking at his game logs, is that he only went over 100 yards one time. Now, granted, he did finish with over 90 yards three other times, but, you know, cracked 100 yards once and then really was touchdown reliant. Had nine touchdowns last year, and almost all of them came in those three games, like in those games. Other than that, yeah. it you know, nine attempts, three yards, three attempts, 10 yards, 10 attempts, 40 yards, six attempts, 20 yards, nine attempts, 55 yards, 17 attempts, 27 yards. I mean, there's some rough uh, uh, outings here. Now, he did catch 28 passes last year, and it looks like go. this is real low dot kind of stuff, so <laughs> uh, dump-offs. But, you know, they all count the same. You know, not, yeah. not, not worth, you're not going to get a lot of explosive plays out of it, but um, but but not bad overall there. So, I mean, I I – I think you sort of convinced me, and now I'm kind of circling back to my original okay. thought. Though like, I don't, I don't, I don't. Think I'm not, so, a, but I'm not excited terrible. to own Frank Peasant. But if I have him, like he's a nice depth piece, and he has like two years of eligibility left. So. It's not helping that his last name is Peasant. If it was like Frank yeah. Lord, you know. Or, oh yeah, you know, Frank Loyalty. Him... I mean, you feel yeah. much better about that. Yeah, yeah. Peasant. We're gonna call him Frank Lord. Yeah. Okay. There we go. On the good weeks, he's Frank Lord. The other weeks, he's Frank yep. Peasant. Um, all right, New Mexico State, another team that I have one player <laughs> written down, and that's Diego Pavia, their quarterback, who came on strong at the end of last season. Um, I mean, I, I don't have that much to add. He's a smaller guy, uh, had the really good bowl game, uh, which I think is kind of what is making people excited about him against Bowling Green. Um, and then against Valparaiso, like here, here's how he, the teams that he really kind of tore up down the stretch. Uh, Liberty went 16 for 21 for 214 yards and three touchdowns. Valparaiso, he went nine for 13 for 323 and four. And then the bowl game against Bowling Green, he went 17 for 29 for 167 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He did get a little better as the season went on. Um, but I mean, I, I don't, I, you have to kind of, be hoping that 
the the receiving weapons take take another step here for him to to account for more passing yardage and he did in his in his defense run for 500 yards and six touchdowns last year so there is some dual threat ability here as well yeah i mean literally the only name on new mexico state worth the only name i even know yeah it's good to go back to the well here if you were sitting here with a gun to my head and you asked me to name (laughs) two guys on new mexico state i would just say fire away (laughs) because pavia is one and i would just ask i would guess like you know john john williams or something and hope that there is a john williams yeah yeah that's the uh, somebody smith john smith something like that john have you ever actually met a john smith like it seems no. like the most basic name, and I'm sure there's yeah. plenty of them out there, but I have never personally met a John Smith. It's almost like the fact that LeBron is like never scored 27, 7, and 7 in a game, even though that's like his career average or whatever. <laughs> or at least up until like <laughs> a year or that. two ago, that was a fact. I don't it, I interesting. I'm, I'm not that caught up on it. He, that that might have changed. But yeah, that was a, a fun one. So that's kind of what John Smith feels like to me. Interesting. Um yeah, no, that's a good point. I've never actually met somebody named John Smith. But yeah, I mean Diego Pavia really the only guy worth mentioning here really only because of the rushing um they get auburn though during the playoff stretch at the end of the year you're not going to want to start him no you might you might start him a couple games at the beginning of the year when they get umass i don't even know who wil is was that william and mary maybe um yeah hawaii's mixed in there so there's a couple games where maybe you want to start them because they're cupcakes, but that's about it. Um, Sam Houston State's the next school here, and we're talking uh, power rankings. They're seventh in the CUSA, 116th nationally. So I don't have any players highlighted here for them. I've listened to a couple of podcasts on them, specifically the one that comes to mind first is um, uh, BTR did a show and they talked about Sam Houston and they had um, Joe from uh, CFF site on and he named a couple names and I don't think they were like, you know, must haves for, for CFF purposes. Um, the one thing that I just think is a really cool, well, you can tell me whether you think this is the, you know, ruining college football or not, is that Sam Houston State last year sat a bunch of dudes all year so that they would retain some eligibility so they weren't coming up to the FBS level kind of shorthand. So even we can't even say like what they necessarily did last year at every single position is what they're going to do this year because they did that, which I just find fascinating. I think is the the word for it. Like I, I, I don't have like an opinion on it. It's just fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I actually think that's a smart idea. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think it's smart because they knew they were moving up. So who cares about your last year in the whack? Um, you That's know. whack, yo. <laughs> uh, but they do have everybody's, and by everybody, I mean Matt Bruning's, uh, favorite quarterback, Grant Canell, transferred yeah. in there. Yeah. Not, not projected to be the starter, according to C2C Winning Edge here. Um, yeah. It's really funny if you look at their depth chart on here, like, three quarters of the roster has one year of eligibility left. So you can see why they did what they did last year with trying to maintain a year, hopefully have a decent year and snowball that uh, into some recruiting success, some transfer portal success down the line. So that's the only thing to really note with them, unless I'm missing somebody you can call them besides Grant Cannell. No, I, I got, I got nobody really. Um, 
I mean, they're uh, like you said, they, they bring back like a bunch of guys who with one eligible, one year of eligibility who didn't really do anything last year. So it's really hard to get a good read on this room. I, I wouldn't roster anybody from Sam Houston state. If you are intrigued by Sam Houston state, you want to keep an eye on them watch list a couple guys but there's no sense in taking a gamble on guys that we didn't see correct correct even in deeper leagues i just wouldn't even really know where to begin i mean i guess you know just just to name the starters from through what we project on their team keegan shoemaker a quarterback zach herbacek at running back (laughs) ife adaye alvante woodard noah smith at wide receiver so there's you know thank you noah smith for making that one easy yeah shout out to my guy noah uh, hold it down for me. Um, not making me sound like an idiot there. All right. Uh, UTEP, uh, fourth or ranked fourth uh, in the CUSA power rankings, 101st nationally there for them. Um, I'm not I'm not in love with a ton of guys on this team besides Tyron Smith. I think there's an argument to be made for Deion Hankins too, but let's start with Smith. Um was at UTEP last year, had a really good year, entered the portal, went to AM for anybody who's not, you know, doesn't know the story. Um, and then reading the tea leaves, it sounds like I think AM expected at least one of these kind of uh, low A dot yak guys to leave their team. And when they didn't, uh, they no longer had a need for Tyron Smith. So he came back to UTEP. He's got the waiver. He's good to go. Last year, 71 catches, 1039 yards, seven touchdowns. And like their goal most of the time is to find Tyron Smith. So I feel awesome about his projection this year. I believe I am, and this is dangerous, individually a little bit higher than our CFF team is as a collective on Tyron Smith. Um, I, I have I have a lot of him. I've drafted him in both drafts, like pretty much both drafts he was available this offseason. I've gone and gotten him. He's a good player. He's a good player. Really fun CFF option. He is like five, five eight like he's small for being yeah. generous he's not five ten which is where some places have him listed he's definitely shorter than that but so probably not really an nfl guy but he i think for cff purposes i expect potentially a wide receiver one finish this year yeah i could see a i could see a wide receiver one finish honestly um i i do think that he coming back here is a lot more interesting he's a guy that i was very very low on in the you know, early in the offseason when it looked like he was going to go to um, Texas A&M because I didn't really think that that was a good level for him. Um, but last year, Tyron Smith finished as a wide receiver 30. He had a 34% target share, 10 targets per game. I could see that very easily continuing this year. Um, the you know, C, C2C winning edge statistical projections have him at 29.1% of the receptions. Um, it doesn't have like targets specifically, but you know, that's a, that's a really nice share. Yeah. So, you know, and at 1100 yards too. So I, I could very easily see that. And I think he wide a wide receiver one is within his range of outcomes, I think. Yeah. And I, I, I really, quite frankly, as long as he stays healthy, I expect it because he has, been there and played with gavin hardison uh before so you know he knows the system he knows the quarterback quarterbacks already had him produce pretty well um so overall fun there the other guy i mentioned Dion hank at the beginning was a guy that we were kind of interested in going into last year 
Um, and then he got, I think he got injured at the beginning of the year and he never really kind of got right. So he had a disappointing season, uh, overall. Um, but he's kind of a big bruiser kind of guy. He's 220, 225, at least, uh, a bigger guy. Um, he can, uh, do quite a bit. He's a pretty good receiver. He had, um, Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, he, I, I do think he's a solid receiver, but he hasn't ever yeah. quite a, put up uh, a ton of numbers in that regard. Um, so I mean, I think he's a little touchdown dependent because I don't think this offense is amazing. I don't know if the offensive line is going to get a lot for him. If he can really like, he's never been over gone over 140 carries, and that was, last year was the most he's ever had. He had 121 each of the past two years. I want to see a year where he just gets like 200 plus carries. I do think he could be solid from a fantasy perspective if he can get that kind of volume, but he needs to stay healthy and they need to be in situations where, uh, you know, positive gain scripts, they want to milk the clock and they give it to him to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see them this year being in more positive game script situations, to be honest. I mean, they finished five and seven last year, but you know, they were our UTEP miners over here. We, we routinely up. bet them to cover, um, and the USA, like we're talking about here, like there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of teams that are projected to be pretty bad. So I I could see UTEP being in some, as the season progresses, being in some more positive game script situations. So Hankins is at least intriguing, provided that he can stay healthy. Um, but they're not a particularly fast-paced offense. Um, so, you know, I, I think that they'll be... they'll be they'll be fine um i'm probably not rostering hankins but i understand the intrigue all right uh i think that does it uh here for utep so let's move on to our last team and like we said this is probably the team that we're going to spend the most time well the the problem is we might not even spend that much time talking about them because everyone just (laughs) knows that western kentucky's good like we all know we like this offense but i think we can throw in some some other topics here to make this uh, more interesting than just saying you know austin reed's good so power ranking, this is the team that's expected to win the CUSA this year. I agree with that. I think it's them or Liberty, and I think it's more likely Western Kentucky. I've been flirting um, with the over on their win total for this year, which I believe is eight and a half. Um, I, I do not hate that. They have a pretty favorable uh, schedule all the way around. Uh, 51st ranked team nationally in the power rankings here. So uh, this is a pretty good team. They're, they're really, really talented, especially as we know, offensively at the skill positions. Austin Reed's the quarterback. Um, you know, soap in my mouth, shame on me for doubting him after that opener last year where he did yeah. not play <laughs> particularly well. And I, I think we had, I, I can almost remember verbatim, I was like, you know, I think we're expecting a lot for this guy to come up from Division Two. He wasn't even FCS, he was Division Two to come up, plug in, and play here right away and work this offense just like, uh, they had the year before that was Zappy, and quite. I mean, he he kind of just gave me both middle fingers and and went on his merry way. Ended up having a very good year. He's back for his final year of eligibility. Flirted with the portal, ultimately didn't go. This dude attempted 600 passes last year, threw for <laughs> 4,700 uh, yards, 40 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I'm sure they're hoping that he tamps down the interceptions a little bit, but he is a little more of a gunslinger than a guy like Zappy. Uh, was he's he's a bigger guy i do think there is he could be moderately intriguing to the nfl if they can separate out 
how much of ability he has outside of this, you know, specific air raid esque system. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's, there's not a lot of discussion to be had around, around him, but if you have him, I think he's a pretty valuable guy this year. I expect the top three quarterback finish out of him. Probably. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, betting on him to finish as a top three quarterback there. It's, pretty much a foregone conclusion. And I think there is a little bit, I, I agree with you. I think there's a little bit more NFL intrigue than what people are giving credit for right now. Not that I ever think he'll actually really do anything in the NFL, but I think he will probably get drafted. I've seen worse players from small schools get some buzz around the draft, the combine and go third round. Yeah. Quite frankly, yeah. I, I have. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very fair. So yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time also talking about Austin Reed. It's going to be a slam dunk. Maybe even actually surprises you and provides a tiny little bit of value for your NFL team. Who knows? Um, I think the more intriguing question, though, is a two-part question. Who is next up here, and are they on the roster? Stealing my thunder, Colin. Those are excellent questions. Um I, I think it's worth trying to figure it out. And there are a couple of names. We just finished again this this um, uh, this this draft 12 teams start three QB with just like some extremely sharp individuals that are yeah. that are in it. Um, and Nikki, Nikki and Allen, see, see if you're winning edge, yeah. <laughs> took Veltkamp and the other dude whose name is escaping, like not, not Ocean last year. Um, the other guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he took both the backups essentially hoping uh, that if one of them ends up getting the job, you see a spike in value uh, at the very end of the draft. We talked a little bit about it as a group after, and it seemed like the consensus was kind of, you know, the, the next guy probably is not on the roster though. Much like they brought in Reed and Zappy from other schools. I do think that, that this system is attractive. You're going to produce if, Reed gets to the NFL. That would be Zappy, who went in the fourth and started games for the Patriots last year. And Reed, if he goes, you know, late day two kind of guy, maybe fourth round for him as well. Like you're looking at back to back quarterbacks at Western Kentucky, who, and they've had some other guys in the past, like whatever, lay off me. Who Mike White? Had, yeah. <laughs> different uh, scheme, different, different team, different system. So, so it, it, it's, I think there, it is a attractive landing spot. It's not, you know, they don't have the NAL member money that some of these SEC schools do to, to lure you and they don't have, um, you know, they're not power five. So you're not, you know, you don't have all the facilities and everything, but I think they're, they're a really, really interesting spot. I think a lower end portal QB or like, you know, like lower end of like good solid quarterbacks will, will consider them over going to a, a cow or yeah um, you know a, a school like that quite frankly in illinois like i think you'd rather go to western kentucky and see what you can do there yeah i would yeah i would completely agree with that and and like you said i think if austin reed parlays this you know big statistical season that we're projecting to some sort of nfl draft capital like you know fourth fifth round whatever it ends up being um then yeah this is going to be a more attractive like transfer portal location and this is the type of place that we could see a, and not that this would be particularly exciting, but like a Keaton Slovis level guy go to, um, you know, instead of maybe going to a, a different program like a BYU or, you know, a lower end power five, like a couple of places you mentioned, you know, like a journeyman guy who had some hype at one point and he's just kind of looking for like one last hype. Uh, maybe this is where, um, um, 
Dylan Gabriel ends up. Who hmm. knows? But I, I think this offense also is going to be just fine this year. Like I'm not worried about them losing Ben Arbuckle, the, the former offensive coordinator. They bring in Drew Hollingshead um, as the offensive coordinator, and he's from Mike Leach's system. Um, he was on Mike Leach's staff last year. He was the quarterback coach there. He's been with Mike Leach for years. So slightly different air raid than kind of what Helton runs, but still air raid principles. So I'm not overly worried about this team losing anything with these um, offensive coordinators that are kind of like going out the door and, and getting jobs in other places. Cause honestly, I think that's making it attractive for up and coming bright minds to go to Western Kentucky and then go to Texas tech. Like Zach Kitley did go to uh, Washington state. Like Ben Arbuckle did these, you know, mid tier, mid to low tier power five programs. So I, I think the continued success here is a good thing. And the revolving door of, of offensive minds is a good thing. Eventually it's going to catch up to them, but I don't think it's going to be this year. Fun fact. Well, as long as Tyson Helton's there, I think they're going to run some form of the area no matter what. So yes. I would never yeah. be too concerned about who, uh, if they're cycling through offense coordinators, who it is a fun fact. He is the brother of Clay Helton. Who's the head coach oh. at Georgia Southern, who was formerly of, USC. So, um, hmm. some, some brothers there. Yeah. Um, all right. So th there's the quarterback position running back. I, I don't think the running back I'm, I'm super interested in, but I don't think he's a total or the position at least is a total nothing there. So Davion urban Poindexter is probably going to be the running back. You know, he's got solid size. Um, they did lose their running back from last year. Um, uh, what Whittington, I believe who's no, no I Whittington. Is that who it is? He's he left. Yeah, he ago? left the year before that. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. Um, I can't remember who the guy was last year. I mean, he's like not super interesting. Um, oh, actually, Davion Irving Poindexter was the lead guy last year. Was he? I know they split carries up fairly. Heavily. Kai Robichaw. Kai Robichaw is the, the other, one. other one. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Yeah, and he actually, I, I, he did lead them in, in rushing attempts, but no yeah. one, I mean, he he led them with 116. They didn't have, yeah, uh, they don't run the ball a ton, so. Yeah, and, and Robichaud did transfer out. He is at uh, Boston College now. Okay, so I kind of had the story. <laughs> you did, name, you did. So. <laughs> I thought, I, I thought, I thought that's what happened, but you get on these shows and sound like an idiot uh, quite frequently. Um, so moral of the story, you know, solid player. I, I don't think he's a must-have. The wide receivers are really where... I find myself turning my attention quite a bit. I never really want to take Austin Reed as early as he seems to, to go, but Malachi Corley is squarely in my wheelhouse in like round five of startups. Um, I, I, I'm a pretty big fan of his. I said as like a throwaway line on this show a couple months ago that I thought that Malachi Corley was the kind of guy that gets better. Like I would rather have him for Debbie than like a, a Jacory Brooks. And it sounds like Corley has been getting, you know, senior bowl hype amongst other uh, you know, type of um, attention overall. He had 101 catches last year, 1,295 yards, 11 touchdowns. He is a little more, I, I think he's actually a fairly well-rounded player overall, but he's yeah. definitely more of that guy that's going to work like probably the intermediate areas of the field, pick up some yardage after the catch. Um, I, I do like him actually quite a bit. I, I, I find myself really being drawn to him and in drafts. And I, if I'm a contender, I'm probably willing to pay a fair amount 
and and pay as if he's a Debbie guy to acquire him if I want to push for a, for a title. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, I like Malachi Corley. I think he's going to basically put up the same numbers that he did last year. They they don't have the like a number two really there, and we can get into that in a moment. Yeah, but it's we'll not play. like the Jarrett Stearns, Michael Tinsley year. It's going to be similar to like it was last Mitchell year Tinsley, where Hall right? Mitchell Tinsley, yeah, Sorry. Um, where Hall was their number two guy last year, and and he was okay, but it was mostly through Corley, and I think it's going to repeat again this year. And there has been some senior bowl Debbie hype a little bit. So yeah, I, I completely agree. I was I was kind of upset in our home league. You double tapped him and um Tory Horton, and I had them like right at the top of my queue. I prefer them over kind of like that third tier of Debbie player. Yeah. Quite frankly, in drafts. I I don't quite have them ranked that way because I think it really depends on your, you know, type of roster essentially and your risk mm-hmm. tolerance when it comes to Debbie. Um, but I would take those guys over the um, the the Bo Collins, Adam Randall's, um, Dane Keys of the world uh, pretty much every day because I know what I'm getting out of them this year. Pretty pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so you mentioned you know they they Jalen Hall was kind of their wide receiver too last year, Colin, and that you know I don't know that we have to choose who the second guy is. Like I don't know that it really matters. I think you just wait till one goes off the board. And then try to take the other here. And by the other, I mean, we're talking Mike, Michael Matheson and we're talking Dalvin Smith, who does have that tight end eligibility. And That's depending on how your league treats yeah. it. He could be the more valuable guy, We depending, depending. Uh, again, last year, if you look at Jalen Hall and Daywood Davis were wide receivers 2-3 there. Hall went 68 catches, 869 yards, and six touchdowns. Daywood Davis went 63 catches, 872 yards, and seven touchdowns. So, like, basically identical fantasy uh, finishes uh, by the end of things. So if you're getting that kind of season out of Matheson, who in his own right last year went 52 for 615 and three, and then Smith, who went 35 for 443 and four, I think those are really, really intriguing players. I think Matheson especially is going way too late in the drafts. Yeah. And I do understand that, you know, I maybe like the ceiling ceiling isn't there, but if you, I can basically lock him in for 850 yards and five to eight touchdowns this year. Like, yeah, heck yeah, I'm going to take that uh, late in drafts. I see him hanging around a lot. So, I mean, I, I'm all, I, I've drafted a lot of Matheson and I do like Smith. He was a hidden gem early in the off season. You could wait till like round 13 of a sub draft snag him. Now he goes fairly early because if he maintains that tight end eligibility, uh, you're, you're talking potentially a top two, three fantasy tight end this year, even though he's, Six three one ninety. He does he's not a tight end. He's not. A, I think he flirted with tight end like if as a freshman or something, and, and hasn't since. Yeah, that's the that's the big thing. But the the uh, thing between Dalvin Smith and Michael Matheson, I think Michael Matheson is too cheap. So I do agree with you there. And I think there is, uh, I think it's sixty forty Matheson to Smith, who's going to be like the number two wide receiver. But like you said, it may not necessarily matter because the number two, number three wide receivers were so close last year, but the the tight end eligibility for Dalvin Smith is really what puts it over the edge for me. Like I find myself drafting Dalvin Smith uh, in, in a decent number of places because of that eligibility. And if they take it away, they take it away. It is what it is. But most of the leagues that I play in just go off of fan tracks eligibility. Um, and whatever they have it as. And I commission two leagues. I have, that's what I do as well. Just it's way easier. Um, but I understand 
Eric Froton is out there championing, championing the uh, removal of Tito's, as he calls them, tight end in title only. Yeah, which I think is, it's less fun, but if we're talking about, to use like a, just a freaking gross term, like the integrity of college fantasy, yeah. like it probably is for the best that you're not allowing, because otherwise you're just letting, like, as we've talked about on the show quite a bit this off season, as we get deeper into it and we're, we're trying to fix this problem, there's a huge, just like knowledge gap. And that's really what can separate a, you know, a good player from like a guy that really doesn't have a chance at, at winning a league because they, you know, they're plugging in a Dalvin Smith at tight end every week and they, you know, the fan tracks is slow to update. So maybe they know that it got, you know, if you still think Tyron Smith's at A&M, you don't love Tyron Smith at A&M. It's actually on UTEP. Like these are the things that the knowledge that mm-hmm. if you're familiar, you can really navigate some of these drafts to a, a pretty high degree. So uh, yeah, it's probably fair, but in the leagues I commission, we just let whatever fan tracks has do it. And that's been the rule. I think moving forward, it might be something uh, to discuss and vote on. Um, I mean, we're, we're getting off the rails a little bit on this discussion. It's here, USA, but, man. We got to have others. Yeah. We got to have filler. <laughs> um, Cause this is basically done, but I, I, I agree with you. I think if you're looking at the integrity of college fantasy football, they should go off of whatever is they are listed at on the depth chart. And Froton also talks about, I think it's like a 20% snap. It's something share, like that. Yeah. Something something it's like not lines. even a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, that is, he's pulling that from like fantasy baseball. And I think that is fine. My only pushback is as a commissioner, you have a lot of other things you have to do. Um, and it's a lot of effort to have to like look through and update these guys. I mean, if you want to do it when somebody challenges it and then you look into it, okay. But somebody who would have to challenge it because there's white wide receiver tight end, like Luke McCaffrey is a quarterback wide receiver. That's what he's listed as, but nobody yeah. cares because he's not going to be good as a quarterback. So like my only thing is if you do it for the tight ends, you do it for one player, you have to do it for all of them. And it's a lot to do for all of them. The real hang up, I think, even beyond that is that for a lot of leagues, like I have some leagues that that do their sub drafts in March. Yeah. So your like the Dalvin Smith stuff was really like you're expecting the commissioner to go in before March and be yeah. familiar enough with the depth chart where if some smart ass in your league is familiar with Dalvin Smith and sees that he has tight end eligibility and goes and takes him explicitly for that. The commissioner has to be like smart or have enough foresight to have already seen that issue because that person used that draft pick to take that player. Otherwise that person probably wasted some of that draft, you know, draft pick or or something like that. And then you get into a whole can of beans that way too. So it is a tough distinction to make. And I think, you know, I guess if you have the role in place that 20% or less, you know, less than 20%, they don't get it, then you would, probably go and look up what his snap percentage was in this at that tight end last year and, and say, Oh, okay. Actually, like I can't use him that way. And maybe the onus then on the drafter is that they should have known that when they did it, but it does create some logistical issues, especially if you're drafting really early in the off season where the commission maybe doesn't have the chance to go in and, and figure all this out yet. But again, somebody in your league, some enterprising young <laughs> lad or lass uh, knows and, and is able to take advantage of that. I don't know. He- yeah, I it's it's a very interesting discussion, and it's I, what it really comes down to is it kind of sucks that Fantrax has that dual eligibility 
for so many of those players. And I don't think it's Fantrax's fault either because things change like that a lot. Um, if we go back to CJ Donaldson, he was a tight end as a recruit. Yeah. What the hell? And then they played him as a running back. So, yeah. I think he was even listed as a tight end last year on their roster, at least for a little bit or something. I think he was. Yeah. So, you know, where, where do you draw the line? And it's, it's difficult. It's difficult for everybody around all around. It's, it's a difficult situation to navigate. Yeah. All right. But it is fun. If we you can get the, one of those guys. It is. And we used the term integrity of the game here tonight. So I'm taking two showers, uh, one for the CSA <laughs> uh, and one for that. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our CUSA preview here. Um, again, check out the website, campuscanton.com. Check out the winning edge package over there. Let us know if you have any questions on that. Uh, make sure you're checking out the other shows on the podcast feed, the YouTube channel. Get in the Discord. If you're yep. a member of the website and you are not using the Discord, I know some people are anti Slack group and Discord group and you know whatever other group comes up, but there is value. There there is plenty of value to be had in the Completely Discord. Agree. Like I think you're if you feel like you're getting your money's worth just off your membership, then you're gonna feel like you're getting a steal by going in the Discord and just everybody's posting you know, uh, news as, as soon as it happens. And we talk recruiting for next year already. People are planning out, you know, what I want to do with my 2024 supplemental picks and, um, you know, just, you know, getting information from us faster than you would if you DM us on Twitter or something like that. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of value to be had in there. I, I would definitely recommend jumping in before the season begins for sure, especially once the season rolls around and you're looking for news on um, injuries and stuff on Saturday mornings. We, we are pretty helpful with yeah. that yes so, speaking of the season rolling around we are deep into discussions to finalize our in-season content offerings but i know for sure for sure that we are going to be offering our two shows the tailgate and college fantasy tonight for those that haven't been with us seasons in the past the tailgate we do every saturday morning in season week zero the whole way till the end uh 10 to eleven thirty is what it was last year i think that's probably what it'll be again this year on our youtube channel uh, we talk uh, start sits, injuries, prize picks, plays for the day, and then we bring out a little bit of DFS betting talk at the very, very end. And then uh, all times Eastern time, of course. And College Fantasy Tonight usually rolls right around 11.30 p.m. And it is a Sports Center style show, essentially, where we break down as much of the action from college football that day uh, as we can. Big performances, early waiver information. Uh, things like that. We usually have some fun guests on. So overall, uh, I would definitely be checking uh, into those. If you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, I would do that and I would uh, turn notifications on so that you know when we're going to go live. Uh, But that's going to do it here for tonight's show. We'll be back later this week with another conference preview episode. Until next time, guys, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.